What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. We are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend of debrief, never to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again, the host spotlight, Mark Francis. Mark, how are you? You survived the snowstorm, my friend. I love snow. It, do it's you? great. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I want more. Bring on some more. But it... I got here today and JVD had a snow plow here. What a guy. No kidding. Yeah. Super fun. You mean a snowblower. Snow blower, not I was snow saying, plow. Yeah. Snow something. Although he big truck. in a previous life, <laughs> he owned a snow plowing business in Chicago when he was young. Did he really? I didn't know that. With his brother, yeah. Interesting. Make some money. Oh, yeah. You've heard him already. He's back, senior pastor Mark Carey. Mark, any any snow adventures this weekend? Restful? Did you see your grandkids? What, oh, what's yeah. The deal? Yeah, we had we had grandkids uh, over and, and uh, our, our one set of grandkids from Charlottesville, they had come up for the weekend just to be with Snowed us in. with the snow. Nice. nice. And so we hit the hill down at the Shando Valley Christian Church yeah, yeah. or Baptist. Shando we Valley as in Baptist like Church. you did it also? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah me nice. and Grandma and, nice. and the kids. and Yeah. Cool. So, so are they back? And then, and then we actually dug out videos that I had taken when my kids when, were that age. Sure. 25 plus years Those ago. Big old camcorder and, Right. And, and watched. And so the, my grandkids got to watch their cool. parents when they That's were That's cool. Yeah. It was fun. That's super cool. Well, guys, let's jump into a, I guess it would be a Saturday afternoon in review. That's when sure. the service was, right? Six o'clock. And then, and then we, oh, it was evening. It was FSAT, yeah. recorded, yeah. and then live streamed <clears throat> on Sunday. Um, it was cool to see, you know, got a lot of good feedback from people online and stuff, able to chat about the sermon. So jumping right in, talk about Romans 9 and a bunch of stuff. Mark, I mean, I'll come your, come your way first, and then we'll see what Pastor Mark has for us. Well, yeah, I want to hear what he has to say, because I'll tell you, I mean, there there's a lot to continue to unpack. And I... Yeah. I really appreciated the the full reading of scripture prior to the sermon. I know we talked about that even last week on this podcast to look out for that, but just seeing it and hearing it read. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Dave Compton did a great did a great job, you know, of of giving the right pauses and giving the right enunciations and and all those things for reading it. Um, I don't even know where to begin because I mean. Well, let's, we have let's wrap it up with prayer. We have, <laughs> please, man. You know, there's so much to unpack, but I'll, I'll start with this. Our community group last night, we, we really got into lots of different topics in the hour that we met. And the one thing that stood out to a couple people saying that this chapter was unclear, and now it is a little bit more clear in their minds, and you threw up a graphic the graphic of a big circle mm-hmm. of the nation, nation of Israel and then the spiritual nation. And, and that they thought was giving some clarity and a better understanding because you emphasized a couple different times that this is really talking about Israel. So that that's really my my first kind of, not question, but just unpacking a little bit more in your research, in your digging. How did that really come about? Was it, Is this a recent kind of thing that you're saying, oh yes, this is really talking to the nation of Israel? And, and what does that look like for us today when we're well, unpacking these yeah. tough verses? That's a, that's a big question, but mm. I'll just emphasize the community group really appreciated that graphic to give some clarity. Well, I actually came to that truth when I was five. Of course. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand it. So, yes. Through the circles with crayons yeah. and just had it, had it <laughs> right. down. That's right. Um, well, I mean, you, you, you do Bible study and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, you, Israel means Israel. Yep. I mean, there's all sorts of attempts to spiritualize that term and, and make it that, well, it must be the church and, and all those types well, Israel means Israel. Mm. And so clearly Paul is talking about 
um, as he gets into chapter 9, his um, concern for his, um, his kinsmen, you know, my brethren, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that sets the tone um, right off for these next three chapters. And, and of course, it ends in chapter 11 um, with that idea as well, that uh, um, uh, deliver is going to come from Zion and uh, remove on God us from Jacob, and as he quotes Old Testament scriptures. So, so this whole section is talking about Israel. Now, I think so many times we we uh, want to go beyond that, and 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 there's a lot of commentaries that don't appreciate the Israel focus, and so they immediately jump to um, individual election or, you know, they broaden it to all of us, uh, which is not Paul's intent, I don't think. I mean, so, so we oftentimes bring so much extra baggage into like a Romans 9 mm -hmm. and read into it, uh, eisegesis, mm. what is not necessarily there. I mean, Paul is talking about Israel. Mm. And, um, that, and he's talking about the, the key verses, verse 6. Um, you know, what, what do you do with... Um, um, it's not as though God's word has failed. Why did he bring that up? Because not all of Israel are descended from Israel. If you reverse that, God's word has not failed. God's word, like, reverse it, the thought. God's word has failed because not all Israel is is saved. Uh, and so that they were making that connection. At least Paul is logically making that connection. And he has to address it. So... No, God's word has not failed, and the reason he, it has not failed is that um, you've got ethnic Israel, and you have a spiritual Israel within it. That's not the church. It's not you and me. It's, it's born-again Christ followers within Judaism. It's Peter, James, John, Paul. Hmm. And, um, and that's why I went back to Acts to, to yep, talk about the, great. the sermons there and uh, um, the calls to follow Messiah and that this know that God has made this Jesus, both Lord, he is Lord, he is God, and he is Messiah, he is the Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, spiritual Israel accepted that and received that. And Peter, I think, and James and John fully expected that as they were preaching those sermons in the early parts of Acts, the Jewish people would uh, respond in droves, you know, repent and return to the Lord so that the times of refreshing, that is the kingdom age, would come. And uh, God then would send once again, chapter four of Acts, the or chapter three, the Messiah, who has been promised for us, mm -hmm. and uh, Jesus would return, and they fully expected that. And and I would, I would, my understanding is that if the Jewish people would have listened to those sermons, and indeed had changed their thinking about who Jesus was and received him, that. The kingdom would have come, and who knows what it would what what it would happen at that point. Of course, in God's plan, um, and that's the thing we have to understand: God sovereignly had a plan to not permit that. He, right. he provided a spirit, a, a, a stupor of of un of hardening, hardening, yeah, and um, because He had other plans, and those plans in, did include the incorporation of Gentiles grafted in, and you'll get that in chapter 11. So follow-up question then, the word remnant. You used that word a little bit in your sermon. How, how does that word apply to this passage? And, and in Christian circles, that word remnant can mean, I think, a couple different things. I mean, it, 
future remnant, you know, this remnant of Israel being kind of the spiritual nation of Israel. How, how does that concept of a remnant fit in with this passage? Well, he quotes it in Isaiah in verse 27 of chapter 9, uh, through, though the number of sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, that's that big circle, mm -hmm. uh, ethnic uh, Israel. He says, um, though they're like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be delivered. And that was that small circle, that mm -hmm. spiritual circle. Mm -hmm. So he's what Paul is saying is God's word hasn't failed because even the prophet Isaiah in the 8th century BC said that there was only going to be a small remnant. Uh, and then he comes back to that theme in chapter 10 uh, and 11 and, and um, that that was part of God's plan. At, at, at some point, eventually, all Israel will be saved. That's chapter 11, verse 25, 26. And so there will be a national restoration and the times of refreshing that Peter talked about in the sermon will indeed happen. But that's, there's a, at least for now, there's been a 2,000 year gap to all of that. And um, you look at, though there, though there are Jewish people who do come to faith in Jesus as Messiah, Messianic Jews, um, it's very small in number. And um, that's that's that remnant theology I think that Paul is referring to. Um, so it's it's the big circle, the sands of the seashore, or the small circle, the remnant, the spiritual Israel who have who have uh, trusted Jesus as their Lord and Messiah. So we're gonna have to wait until we get to chapter eleven to unpack that even more. Yeah, and actually I've invited Dondon Hartog mm -hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks to come back to FBC. I'll go down a. Woodstock, uh, Shenandoah, uh, FBC Shenandoah. But Don's going to, um, I've asked him to put a broader perspective on this. Um, oh, I don't even want to get into it on this podcast. <laughs> let him but deal with it. Let him. It's just, but but the, the, that perspective of what, what Jeremiah 37 called the times of, of Jacob's trouble and this wrath that Jesus spoke about that was coming that was prefigured in 70 AD when the, when the Gentiles came and destroyed, or Titus, the Roman emperor. But that simply prefigures a time that Jesus talked about that is yet to come hmm. um, of great tribulation and hmm. a time of uh, great wrath hmm. uh, upon the earth. And so Don is going to unpack in a broad eschatological um, survey kind of that, Neat. what's called the 70th week of Daniel. Yeah. So... So that'll put that a lot of that into perspective, I think. You mentioned at the beginning of, of us dive, diving into Romans 9, 10, 11, a lot of, a lot of pastors might not even broach this topic. Um, and even, even at the beginning of this podcast, we're talking about the importance of studying and, and we're diving into these theological concepts. We're hitting mm. buzzwords. Do you, is that hard to put it into a, a congregational assembly sermon format? Because what we're going through is pretty like biblical training center type stuff. Uh, of, oh, of warranting level. personal yeah. study. Um, <laughs> well, you, you notice I did preach a little overtime last, last Saturday night. <laughs> just a little, just a little. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very difficult. Yeah. It's extremely uh, a learning center class, a teaching. You have an hour, whatever, and it's it's class. You take your you know mm. you, a sermon. You have to package differently, and uh, you've got all sorts of different people there that you have to, and you don't, and there's different 
uh, knowledge levels. It, a passage like this, well, actually all of Romans, has been extremely hard. Yeah. Extremely hard. And so uh, you, you almost have to keep layering it. And, and, mm -hmm. and that was what made me, dr drove me to the decision to, uh, Mark, you'll probably remember, I was thinking of only doing 6 through verse 13. Right. But it, what, what, what do you leave out? So it just It's funny you say that because somebody in our community group last night had grabbed onto that and thought that that was going to be where we're going, just 6 through 13. He said he read that passage a couple different times over the course of the week, then started doing some digging in an Old Testament and Jacob and Esau. And it's like, this doesn't make sense. This leaves me with more questions than answers. Mm -hmm. And and he was kind of wrestling with, you know, <laughs> where's God in all this? And it wasn't until your sermon where you unpacked everything to where he was like, mm -hmm. now it makes sense. And so I think he kind of wrestled with what you might go through of like, how do I unpack this one little portion at a time when you got to see the bigger picture? Yeah. And I think originally I, I was in the planning, it was like only maybe 35 minutes mm -hmm. of, a, of a sermon time yeah. that I had. And can't do that. I, it, it just can't do it. And <laughs> You know, praise God, we had a snowstorm on Sunday. Because <laughs> on a Sunday, you got to be done because of the yeah, service yeah. times. So you got to yeah. get people in and out of here. But no, Saturday night, could dump They're the whole stuck. load. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that the, there's the bigger picture of what we're meant to take away, right? And to see the character of God, yeah. to, to be reminded of his sovereignty, and, and even what that means, and that's a whole level of unpacking. And, and I'm and going to talk more about that next, that's, next this coming weekend. That's great. Song too. Yeah. Not to, I mean, we can unpack it all right now, too, but we'll wait for that yeah. until we get into it. But in, in our conversations with the community group last night, that was something that we wanted to wrestle with, too. It was like, okay, so if that's an application that we're supposed to take home with us. What does that really look like? What, what does it mean for God to be sovereign? You know, what does that mean for for us to say, you know, he, he hardens those who he wants to harden and shows mercy on who he wants to show mercy? That's... That's difficult stuff to, to really wrestle with. and But for us to then have a takeaway to say, I might not understand all this, but I know that God is the one who is the maker of all things. He is the one who's in charge, and he can be trusted. You know, I can, I'm the, I'm the clay. If you want to even say that I'm the clay, I, but I, I'm just, I'm just going to be here and have God's way with my life, and I will trust him in these big picture questions yeah. and not get hung up on some of those details. I know that seems simplistic, but no, but uh, you know, we, we, there is, there, there, there are multiple views on these passages and uh, good godly people take different perspectives on mm -hmm. these and they, they'll see, um, see things in the text differently than, than mm. uh, maybe I will. But there are some, when you come down to it, non-negotiables mm. and I, and I was trying to hit on the fact, which is what Paul hit on the fact, I think, is God's word has not failed. And you go through yeah. that chapter 9, all the Old Testament scriptures that he quoted, it's, it's, and I, at the end of my sermon, I kind of reviewed that, mm -hmm. you know, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9, that he, he quotes Old Testament scriptures to drive home the point, guess what? God's word did not fail. This is what God said was going to happen, and it happened. Mm -hmm. So we can, the application for us is, yeah, you know, we can trust God's word. Now, we have to rightly handle it, <laughs> but we can trust God's word. And um, so, yeah, whether we all agree on some of the finer points of uh, these doctrinal issues. And um, I, I think what's fun about Fellowship Bible Church is that I know there's plenty of people out in the congregation who would, would, did not agree necessarily with some of the things I was saying. And I had 
I, do you field that, any of those kind of questions at all? I mean, have, have people kind of come no. up and challenged you yet? No, they know better. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just glances across the room. Yeah, they, they take one look at me and says, you know, something's going, he's, he's vacant. Side, <laughs> it's why waste my time? <laughs> uh, that's good. I was going to say something. I lost my train of thought. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, yeah. Tr- trusting God's word. And and not solely trusting somebody else with God's word, because because whatever the preacher is going to be talking about, whatever they're bringing out in Scripture, and this is something the church has done so well with me and, and their mentorship and discipleship of me is, you better be wrestling with this stuff. Like you wrestle with Scripture, you yeah, understand right. what this. Don't sign up for uh, you know. Here's John Avery's take. Here's Mark Carey's take. Take God's take. We all That's want exactly God's right. take and understanding of it. And so to, to see, and, and we've mentioned it before on the podcast, Romans 11, the glory of God and the reliance on God's word. That's something we can all do. Right. Uh, which is so important. Now, you, you just had a class, uh, yeah. a seminary class on hermeneutics, right. which is a, the, the science of interpretation, the principles that you use to interpret uh, correctly or right. attempt to interpret correctly. And so... Yeah, that's you. You got to overlay these scriptures with those, you know, those principles as you get into it. And I'll give you an example. In, the, in when it talks about his his opening illustrations of Ishmael and Isaac, and then Jacob and Esau. Um, now, some interpreters will say this is an example that God will select some to um, for heaven and some to hell. Uh, you know, so Ishmael ends up in hell, and Isaac ends up in heaven, or Jacob ends up in heaven, and Esau ends up in hell. And Jacob, I've loved; Esau, I hated. And so God chooses one for heaven, one for hell. Guess what? That's not what the text says. <laughs> right. But but those so so people will overlay some theological uh, preconceived notions into that. I, it's very possible Ishmael uh, is an Old Testament saint. Same thing with Esau. They they may have come to faith, and I because the text in this context, all they're saying is God chose Jacob for a particular purpose, and Esau he didn't fulfill that purpose. And same thing with Isaac. God had a plan for Isaac, and it was for a purpose that had to do with the um, chosen seed, and he didn't choose Ishmael. Doesn't say anything about whether they went to heaven or hell. He's simply using this as an illustration, though. Because there were Israelites, and that's his concern, that were headed for hell. Hmm. And that's why Paul had such emotion at the beginning. I'm filled with grief and unceasing grief and sorrow. Well, why would he say that if it was just some other issue that he was addressing in chapter 9? He's hmm. addressing the issue of some Israelites are, are, are going to be saved, and we'll talk about that a little more next week, I'm sure, saved from God's wrath whether it was present wrath or was future coming wrath, uh, and some weren't. At the end of chapter 9, verse 31, but Israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Is that essentially saying what you're just saying right there, that some of Israel not right. being and saved in that sense? Right, and that brings another, um, again, Bible study, and you've got to apply principles of interpretation. That clearly is saying who's responsible for where they're going to end up in, in eternity. Well, they're responsible because they did not exercise faith. Mm-hmm. Well, but Paul, I thought you just said that God was responsible. The potter does with the clay. You know, he, he hardens who he hardens. He has mercy on him. Well, yep, he does. So 
in this same passage, <laughs> you have these two seemingly conflicting truths, um, and they're both correct. So I, we have to accept that. And um, so, like you said, God's sovereignty, responsibility of man, all woven into the same yeah. passage. And right that's there. something that can be argued until the sun goes down. Oh, exactly. And, and I think what we do, and, and this is just how I've heard it, is you know we spiritually define something that should be defined grammatically. We come to the Bible and we're ready to, you know, eisegesis spiritually impose. We got to remember, like this is God's word. It's written so we can understand it. Mm -hmm. But but because we do have a spiritual God, we crave spiritual growth. We want to over spiritualize some of these sentences, and it's like God wanted it to be read like that. Yeah. So it's just it's it's interesting. Yeah. And going, in and going back to His word, I mean, right. We can look at His word and and look at the promises He has made. Yeah. And and reflect on those to be completely true, completely faithful. You know, I, I think you mentioned a couple of them at the end of your sermon, you know, cast all your cares upon him. Yep. And, or, uh, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. I mean, you can go on and on of all the different things and of the promises that he's made to us that we can rest on and, and trust him in and say, yes, his word is true. His word is good <laughs> for my life and mm. I can apply it. And I mean, you can go through scripture. I mean, how many promises are there? Yeah. I mean, and, but the, 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 question in all this of what Paul is addressing is if God if God um, had not fulfilled his purposes and plans as he stated it in the Old Testament then you can't trust him today mm -hmm. and 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 if you can't trust his word you can't trust his character and that's called into question in verse 14 what shall we say then is there injustice with God no or in verse 20, on the contrary, or verse 19, you will say to me, does he, why does he still find fault? I mean, there's, there's something unfair with God. So, so you get into these, these, these passages and, and this teaching about God, and you know, his, his ways are past finding out. I mean, let's accept that. But Paul has to wrestle with, people are questioning the injustice with God, or, or you know, is he... Is he isn't he being unfair? And um, uh, yeah, the very, not only the word of God, but the very character of God was at stake. And it is kind of interesting, What? how did Paul handle it in verse uh, 19? Why does he still find fault? Who, who resists his will? And verse 20, on the contrary, who are you, man, who answers back to God? I mean, that's like, well, that's not quite the answer, Paul, I would have liked. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, could you fill in a little more detail there? But under divine inspiration, he says, look, you know, who are you, old man, to answer back to God? In other words, he just shuts the door to any but, question. But that's been shown throughout Scripture. I mean, that that response of God, you know, you look at Job and who are you? Yeah, or, that's right. Or there's some psalm passages that, you know, who, who are you? You know, it, yeah. it, it's just there is that aspect of God that is just so much bigger than us that he can just squash us like an ant anytime he wants and he can he literally can say who are you yeah you know yeah I'm, I'm in charge here yeah and and isn't it amazing when he when he talk about his word and here is this infinite God who wanted to reveal himself hmm. I mean that's a task and it's only God could yeah. have done that and this infinite God interesting revealed himself to finite little Little Dummies. ants, little huh? Dummies. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, like us. And he wrote it down in this book uh, over how many hundreds of years and forty different authors and you know all you know and various genres of literature and all compiled in here. But he did it, and so we do have a revelation of his character to the degree that he wanted to reveal himself to us. 
And so uh, it's, it's, mm. it's amazing that an infant God packaged himself in this so that we as finite people, and we're still going to have issues and problems. Mm. We, we mm -hmm. will. We're, we're still going to say, well, that seems, I don't, I don't know if I like that about God, or I don't, you know, but, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's not for us. To I mean, and back to his character, Psalm 115, it unpacks it. It starts mm. in verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Yeah. And then he goes on and unpacks. Yeah. They're just making idols oh. and they're worthless. And we're going to talk stuff. about that next week. All that's, right. That's right. I mean, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Well, then that opens up a whole new... These are things that we need to wrestle with as believers. And I, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. We, um, you know, you, um, we have... You know, there's, there's sadness. There's sorrows that are going on, even in our own congregation. You know, there are children with cancer and... and mm -hmm. uh, People uh, who who have died of COVID and and you know uh, family members and and there's there's a lot of tragedies and you wonder okay God because he 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 is God yeah. he can alter these things in a moment yeah. um but he permits these things um my wife has something on I think it's from um, uh, Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe or or maybe Amy Carmichael, a little quote on the refrigerator that says something to the effect, "God uh, permits what He hates to accomplish what He loves. Hmm. He permits what He hates to accomplish what He loves." Hmm. And in this world of sin and fallen man, and you, you look at what's going on in our country now, and you look at the 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 deep. Um, <laughs> sucking sound of our country into an abyss of moral perversity and moral um it's like okay why god why don't we, it yeah and that's really what paul had to wrestle with lord what is happening to my own countrymen i i could take their place but no there's a plan and god is sovereign in that plan and we can be reminded of the biggest permission of all was the death of his son yeah the giving up of his own you know, he who did not withhold you know sparing of his own son He's going to freely give us all the things. Right. Who was and, delivered up by the predetermined yes. plan and foreknowledge of God. And, and that, I mean, okay, yes, there's death. There's, there's situations that we in our own little bubble world will think is horrible and awful. But from that grand scheme, God gave up his own son yeah. to die on the cross for us. Yeah. And, and that, that'll that blow you away if you really bring it down to yeah. that. Uh, and, and even in that situation, Jesus, knowing that, hmm. he had left his throne, knowing that, he... He weeps in the garden. He he sweats, as it were, drops of blood, um, and if possible, take this cup and all the different meanings to that. But mm. yeah, even then, Paul says in First Thess Thessalonians, you know, we um, we grieve, but not as people who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, First Thessalonians four thirteen, uh, even so, Christ, uh, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. There's something future. And that's exactly what Paul was doing in Romans 9, 10, 11. There's something yet to come. The story hasn't been written. Um, so we endure the now and accept the things that God hates while we wait for something that is yet to come that he ultimately loves. And that's hope. That's application for us today. Yep. That's, that's it right there in a nutshell. Yep. To 
to, to have the bigger picture in mind. When we're always we're always wrestling with stuff, so throw scripture in the mix. If we're not wrestling with scripture and ha having a dynamic with God while we're having a dynamic with all these other things that are afflicting us, I mean that's that's one way to you know feel feel distant from a God that isn't, yeah. uh, and and remove yourself from something that can be vibrant like like church life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's super cool. One thing I do want to bring out. Yeah. We'll talk more about it next week, um, but. I've been trying to emphasize this idea of God's wrath. And I went back to chapter one, remember, the wrath of God is revealed, is being revealed, present tense. First Thessalonians uh, 2.16, I've mentioned now a couple times about uh, the, the Jewish people, God's wrath is on them to the utmost, the current. The, what Jesus said, there is coming a day of wrath and vengeance when um, the armies are gonna be arrayed against Jerusalem. Um, so I want, I, I, I want, I want us to juxtapose that concept of wrath with the words salvation, because, um, we, we have to be careful not to immediately jump to the conclusion that when, like in chapter 10, verse one, where it says, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. What does Paul mean by that? Saved from what? Saved from what? And and even when he talks about uh, uh, in verse twenty-seven, Isaiah cried out, um, "Though their numbers be the, like the sand of the sea, it is a remnant that will be saved, delivered." And so uh, again, um, think that through uh, if you're listening to this podcast, and we'll um, we'll see that unpacked a little bit in the weeks to come. Cool, Mark. What do we need to let people know about before we get out of here? Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys were able to watch online. Uh, if you weren't there at Fellowship Saturday, um, then hopefully you did watch the worship service and participate, not just watch online. And there's a really cool new platform that we launched and released, and I would just encourage you guys to who are watching and participating online to, to use that. Um, it's more than just viewing the service, but there's ways to see the, the sermon notes. There's ways to view the Bible passage right next to it also. That's so you great. Can go tap back and forth. You but can prayer submit request. prayer requests. Mm -hmm, yeah. You can give us your information. Um, there will be pastoral oversight each and every week, kind of responding if you if you have certain needs. So it's it's a much more robust online venue for worship that I think is going to be with us for a long time. So let me ask you, um, so can people still, because I did that too, in the past, you go to the YouTube or you- Oh, can, it's still, they're, they're still out there. But yep. it, because I did hear one or two people had some problems getting on some of those things, but it, you're, are you encouraging us to go to the, our website and go to that particular- That would be platform? the best option. Because I know there's some people who also like to see it on their big screen TV and, and stream it or go to Roku or things like that. And, and you can still do all of that with this online platform. We will still be posting on those other okay. locations as well. But this is just going to be its a seamless, smoother, Should help hopefully connectivity less, less glitchy yeah. <laughs> issues that that'll be, okay. that, that'll be going on. Pastor Mark was stuttering the whole time up there on the horn. <laughs> well, that was probably for truth. Yeah. For, for <laughs> yeah, so those yeah. platforms are still... I, mean, I just want to bring that up because it's encouraging to... to it, you know, you don't want to be feeling when you're at home, you're just in a bubble by yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can engage with the congregation, feel like that you're a part of a church body when you're watching it live or you're watching it even on demand. You can still be looking at those posts and feel like, okay, yes, this is my church mm -hmm. instead of going anywhere else to watch a service. Mm -hmm. and, and we want you to feel connected here. So great. That's the, that's the biggest, foremost thing to point out. Awesome. Cool. 
Thank you, guys. Uh, as a reminder to our listeners uh, and viewers, you can find us on YouTube, podcast services all over the place. Just Google Sermon Spotlight. We pop right up. Uh, feel free to leave feedback, reviews, comments. You can always reach us also at fbcva.life forward slash Sermon Spotlight. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless.